you better know who you're in the trenches with. You better know that they're going to have a positive, proactive, can-do, you know, optimistic, you know, perspective and outlook. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me excited to have Julie Holly. Julie, how are you doing today? I am doing phenomenal. I liked everything in the green room. Like we're rocking and rolling already. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So Julie is a speaker and the founder of Three Key Three Keys Investment. And uh, what she does is helps people like you find freedom through multifamily real estate. So they can live their life and dreams. And I love that because so many people want to get into real estate, Julian. We'll probably dive into that, but they do it in a way that doesn't get them to what they were thinking about doing or why they did it in the first place. So uh, Julie, you've invested in single family homes, uh, house hacked, you name it, uh, managed from thousands of miles away, uh, passively invested in multifamily assets, uh, kind of done it all. You've got a, a podcast, the conscientious in uh, investor and um Man, a, a lot of stuff. So, Julie, why, why don't you just give our listeners a bit more about your background and what you're doing today? Well, you know, it's a little scrappy. I mean, we could go all the way back if if we really want to, but um, you know, it's always like that proverbial continual comeback story. Although it's never like behind, but I have three older brothers, so there's always this like you got to like prove yourself, and you got to like you know mm-hmm. step up and rise to the occasion. So. Um, it's interesting. I've been reflecting on, on this concept. So just cut me off any moment, but you know, it's like I graduated college early, started a career in education at 22 and then pivoted into real estate sales in my mid twenties. And I've done these like interesting pivots along the way that really prepared me to be in the syndication space. <clears throat> and I, I didn't understand that until I was reflecting, <clears throat> excuse me, with a, uh, didn't cough the entire time that we were off, you know, not recording. Now I've yeah. got something in my throat. <laughs> big deal. That's how it goes. Uh, but it's interesting when you reflect on your journey and where you were and how you got to where you are today, mm. everything builds on itself. And so I just, I've been looking back at um, that permission I gave myself along the way. And then, you know, living life with my husband for the last you know, going on 17 years now. And just that permission that we've given each other to pivot and iterate so that we could continually grow and transform into who we are today has been really powerful. And that's really brought so much into the, you know, syndications that I participate in because it allows like an outside the box open mind when you aren't concerned about failure, but you're following, you know, leading life in curiosity, leading life in diligence, hard work, tenacity, resilience, um, willing to, you know, look at the challenges ahead as challenges versus, you know, just roadblocks, places to stall out. It just changes everything. I love that. Love that. Um, let's, let's dive into your journey a little bit. What were you doing before? Like what, what got you into this? Wow. Okay. So we had, uh, as I said, a background in education. So I was in and out of public school education 
in and out of residential real estate sales, actually mostly in it and then out and back into ed. Then I was a stay-at-home mom, homeschool mom, back into public ed. <laughs> and as I'm like any good real estate investor, you know, it's like tandem timelines of, okay, and we have rentals and I'm managing those rentals and, you know, managing, you know, overhauls on houses and things like that. So mm. it's really interesting. I love that um, I was homeschooling our son. Uh, we, our daughter was too little to be schooled at that point. And it's interesting, like this house is totally torn apart. And the roofer is a, you know, middle-aged gentleman who looks down at my son, knowing that my son was like in school, basically. He's like, do well in school because this hurts your body when you get older, right? So some serious life lessons along the way. Um, and then when I was in education, I, I just felt very vulnerable. Is like, we've got these two awesome kids and what happens? What happens if um, we have the single family stuff and then somebody they are delinquent. What happens if, you know, we have a major, these are properties are getting older. What if something happens? It was like, yeah. I just started entertaining the what if monster. Um, Usborne Books, by the way, listeners has a book called Jonathan and the what if monster. I highly recommend it. It's a kid's book hmm. that will present a powerful truth to you. Don't entertain what if <laughs> it is a monster, but um, I, I hadn't read that. And I was entertaining the what if monster and it freaked me out. And I'm like, there has to be a better way to invest. We figured we had reached the peak of the market and that we could capitalize on that, you know, like let's grab the treasure and then we'll figure out what to do with it. And so then the money's sitting in the bank. I'm a public. So you sold school. everything. And I sell it, you sit on it. It's just sitting in the bank and I'm a public school teacher. And I'm like, I loved education, but it's time for, I can, I just knew internally. I'm like, it's time for me to exit. Yeah. And I can't have this money sitting in the bank, honey. We got to do something. And my husband's like, hey, figure it out. Like, not, hey, you figure it out. I'm late. Like, no, but yeah, he, knew yeah. I, like, he knows me. He's like, you know, just do your thing and like, bring me ideas. <laughs> and so I'm listening to, to um, Bigger Pockets. I was kind of complaining to a friend, lamenting. We'll say lamenting. Like, I haven't heard any women since I started listening to this podcast. And then I'm driving up the road to go work out one morning. And Monique Calm, the real estate um, goddess, is she comes on, and this is before she had her platform built out, and she explains syndication. And literally, it's like stars aligned. It's a total God moment for me because like, I have a faith testimony, I have a real estate testimony, and this is like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Syndication is everything I've ever wanted. Um, I get to use my background in education, my heart to serve and support other human beings in bettering their lives. I get to be in real estate, which is I'm third generation in real estate. So I'm like, this is my happy spot. I love this. You know, it's like the list just went on and on. I was like, and the liability, the risk, like, oh, we'll have like at least a 10 plex. I've never done anything. Yep. That small. I've never done anything smaller than 68. But like, if we only if we at least have a 10 plex, like, wow, if we had a vacancy, it's no big deal. And we're buying an established business. And this makes so much sense. Like we can mitigate so much risk We're we're like have a business plan that goes along with this. It felt so good. So you can tell I am still equally as excited. Yeah. Today you're as excited as the day you started. Yeah. <laughs> I, it has not faded at all. This is years now. 
Well, and that's the way it should be, right? You're still excited for it because you know it works and now you've been building something, right? You should be more excited about it, quite frankly, because when you started, it was still probably fearful, right? It was like, okay, I, I'm excited. This is this is great, but you hadn't proven anything yet. Now you've seen results and you've proven it. So it's even more exciting. It is. And changing, like supporting people and building their wealth, you know, it's, I mean, like having calls with investors where, you know, maybe they have, you know, a substantial amount that they need to place. That's just as important as a person who's like, I don't even know, but I want to build wealth. And I hear the wealthy build wealth through real estate. Tell me more. You know, it's like, it's equally joyful and fun. Mm. Why, why not just do this yourself Buy that 10 plaques or buy the 68 unit or whatever it might be? Why, why are you raising capital and bringing in investors? What, what's the reason for that? Is this on YouTube also? Yeah. YouTube. Good. Everybody who watches this on YouTube, just watch my head, like go back. Like, it was like, oh my gosh, why would I ever want to do this alone? <laughs> like, I, I honestly am like, my husband and I began together. It was yeah. like, I discovered it and I thought, okay, I can do, I can wear these hats really well and you can wear those hats really well and we're going to do this. And it stalled out like a year of life. It just stalled mm. out. And honestly, for us, I always lovingly say, like, I fired him from my company. I like, this was like my baby. So that, that kind of put it, we're not that husband, wife couple in syndication. We're husband, wife, and we're both in real estate in our own ways, but we have our own companies. That's yeah. great. Which but is when, totally fine, by the way. A lot of people think you have to partner with your husband or wife. You don't have to. <laughs> being married is way more important than being business partners. <laughs> I made a commitment to say, I, I just will leave it at that. But then it, I started looking at, you know, partnerships and the importance. And I, honestly, if I really truly say I want to serve and support investors and that I'm putting their best interest at heart, then that means that I need to have partners. I will be the first to admit like, I can, I can underwrite. I can, I can do this numbers. I can, but it's not my sweet spot. It's not mm. my happy spot. And when people are not operating in their zone of genius, that's where you present um, risk opportunities. And I, if I'm bringing in other people's money, other people's capital, I now have a whole different level of responsibility. And in my opinion, that means I need to partner with the best, the best and brightest out there so that I can bring the very best. And so every team that I am partnered into are just all-star investors, absolutely phenomenal. And it's always a very complimentary skill set brought to the table. So I can't imagine not one, you go slower, it'll slow you down. You're gonna, you know, <laughs> it's like watching paint dry. I always jokingly say you might want to rip your face off a few times because it's not something that you love. And so it's not going to bring out the best in you. And it's going to protect and mitigate the risk for your investors and the residents and therefore communities. So for somebody who's like, I really resonate. I want to raise capital. I, I know I can. I've got a lot of investors or potential investors. They're really uh, you know, have a place that they want to put their money. I want to serve these folks. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, <laughs> uh, because there's a lot to it, right? It's not just raising money. 
And so many people think it's that's all it's about. It's just uh, you're raising money for deals. Uh, it's a lot more. You're serving these people. Uh, it's a big responsibility, quite frankly. Um, how do you choose? Like maybe it's a big a big answer to this question. But so we don't need to dive into everything. But how do you choose those the right partners? Uh, and and how do you make sure you're not having too many partners or too few partners, maybe both? Okay, super important question. I actually recorded a podcast episode about this, and I, I speak about it often on the Conscious Investor podcast because I'm I'm just going to say it, and I'm not going to candy coat any of this. There are too many people that are out there, and they're just like, I just want to get in a deal, and I just want to get in a deal, and so let me just get in a deal, and we just met at a conference, and we're going to be partners, and there we go. It's like that may work. However, you and I have been around long enough to see that that does not always work, and the collateral damage are the investors involved to say the very least. And so um, for me, I actually have, there's even a blog post on this. Like I do have investment, like when it comes to general partners, the other active investors, so not my limited partners that are coming in as passive investors, that's different, but I do have a criteria there also um, because I am creating a culture and I am building something and it's not for everybody. Um, however, on the general partner side, have I, do I know you? Have I known you for at least a year? Do I know what your track record is? Have we broken bread? Those are my three, like, there's where our partnership starts. Sometimes I jokingly tell people like, oh, great, we can start the, we can start the timer now, like right. at the beginning of one year. But to think that, oh, great, I just met this person and um, I really don't know them. Like somebody's character matters more. And so oftentimes... Mm. If I am at an event, sometimes people will say, actually, I spoke to someone from an event recently. They're like, wow, we didn't even really talk about real estate and what you're up to. I'm like, yeah, I like to talk about people because I want to get to know you. And if if there's an alliance there, then the business is going to be easy peasy. But if there's not an alliance, a deeper undercurrent with our philosophy on how to go about um, how we would even run a business, how we, you know, what's important in life we probably aren't going to make strong business partners and we're probably going to have but some heads. Now I have business partners with different worldviews in my worldview and things like that. That's fine. But we all have like a baseline that is consistent. And so it's like, I know in, in one of our partners partnerships, we've had to face some, some of the challenges of ground up development. You better know who you're in the trenches with. You better know that they're going to have a positive, proactive, can-do, um, you know, optimistic, you know, perspective and outlook because there isn't time to be wasted on this complaining and commiserating and boo-hooing. Like, no, we have to be moving forward. Let's figure this out. And so really, truly knowing who is, who are you going to be in the trenches with? And if it's all blue skies, great, but it's not going to all be blue skies over the course of five years. So you better yep. know the person and you better say, Hey, till, till exit, do us part <laughs> until, until close of escrow on the other side, do us part. We're in this together. <laughs> It's so important. You know, we you can easily have that real estate conversation, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, we all can say the same thing, right? It's we we all know the statistics, we've read the books, all that kind of stuff. But what's your business philosophy? I think that's so much more valuable, and that's what I try to 
preach a little bit on this podcast is like, look, we can all go and buy real estate. We can be real estate buyers, right? But if you're going to be a good real estate company, yeah, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to create a company and you have to have a business culture and you have to truly create a business with systems and processes and philosophies, right? You can't just go and not buy deals. Like anybody can buy a deal, but not everybody can run a business successfully. So that's, I think that's so important. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up with just have a conversation, figure out what they're all about more than what they're thoughts about real estate are. So they're probably going to like it. Can we also just add for better, or for worse, I'm not, as my friend Shame says, I'm not everybody's, you know, the flavor everyone can savor, or, you know, she has this cute little expression of like, basically we're not, everybody isn't going to be best friends with everyone. And yeah. so I want to actually like my, my partners. Mm. I actually want to not avoid a phone call. I don't want to have like, Oh, yeah. I'll get to them later. Oh my gosh. I like if I have that aversion at all to a person on the front end, can you imagine if something's going south or something, there's a challenge? Like, yes, I mean, I'm going to just throw in there as my little bonus that um, it, I think it's important to actually like who you're partnered with. Yeah, I think that's super important. I always say, can I have a beer? Do I feel like I can just hang out and have a beer with them? Yeah. Right. Do I just feel like we could just hang out, whatever, go to a baseball game, go to go play golf, whatever, whatever it is. Like, can we just hang out for a little while and be okay? Like, or is it like, oh, man, I got to hang out with Jim again. Oh boy. <laughs> you know? like, then I don't want to partner with that person. Right? Yes, I love um, that. And I, I like the LP uh, point two that you mentioned, uh, the LP culture. And I think really, if you're going to be a capital raiser, you have to understand that, that everybody is not for you. And so don't try to go after everybody. Don't try to make everybody your investor. Make sure you understand who your investor avatar is. And that's who you're going to be speaking to. And that's who you're going to attract. And other people are just not going to fit that. And that's okay. Like they don't need to be your investor. And sometimes it's better that they aren't. You know, even if they're willing to invest $100,000 in your deal, you're like, oh, that's really good. I need, we need that to get this deal. Sometimes it's not worth it to have it, to get that hundred thousand dollars. So make sure they fit you and your culture. I've, I'm sure you, I'm not going to be sure. I will say, I will speak for myself, <laughs> but I, there have been two instances where, um, I had a couple of investors that were interested and you could just sense that their level of trust was not hmm. where it yep. needed to be. Yep. Um, and so what that looks like, if you're looking to go into capital raising, what that looks like is you start a conversation and you're answering questions that they have that are normal, natural questions that new investors should have or yeah. any investor should have. Right. But a newer investor is going to ask these questions. And then if you end up right back where you started, that person isn't ready to invest with you. Yep. And so you simply just need to say they either need more time, more education on how does this process even work, or they need to build, you need to develop that relationship together for, so that they have more trust in you and what your, your capacity and capabilities. And so I literally just say like, wow, you know, I, I think that let's sit this one out and let's wait for the yes. next one, because guess what's going to happen if that investor comes into that deal 
and I learned this through, you know, things that my grandpa and my dad taught me in real estate. It's like one, one, <laughs> I don't mean to say bad because those aren't bad investors, but they, you know, they, they said one bad client will cost you more and take you off, like just take you offline. And so I don't want my time spent babysitting um, a young investor that was, you know, took a step prematurely. So if they want to go invest with somebody else, that's fine. But I have other investors that I'm responsible to serve and support. And so yep. I can't have my bandwidth sucked up by one person just because I want another 50 or $100,000. Yeah, uh, 100%. I've actually, um, no, it hasn't happened very often, but I, I have essentially fired investors. Like, yep. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to have them in, invest again. And part of it's my fault because I didn't do what you just said on the front end, they were willing to invest in a deal, even though I kind of knew they weren't ready. Um, and I said, okay, but it, it just comes back to bite you. So um, we had a coaching call earlier before we hit record. You and I were, <laughs> were talking and uh, it was really good. You gave me some great advice. So I really appreciate that. But I think it's really valuable to talk about the relationships and how you approach your investors because it's a little bit unique, I would say. As you mentioned, you know, everybody just takes and you're taught to throw that email out there and that does the magic, but you have a different philosophy. I, I do very much so. Um, everything in life is relationships. Our partnerships, our relationships, we go to events because we say we want relationships. Really question yourself if you're really, if you actually are really authentic about that, or if it's just more self-serving, like, okay, I get my social media pictures and I get mm. to show people, or are you actually creating relationships that you're following up with? Yeah. I, admittedly, I have a hard time following up with a lot of those. I have the best intentions. So I'm throwing myself under the bus right now. Like I get that. I'm going to be. Yeah. But when it comes to investors, you know, investors are a relationship. They're trusting us. And whether it's a first time 50K investor or it's a repeat investor putting a quarter of a million or more back into another deal of yours, those investors are doing that because they have a relationship with you. And um, so I really believe in mutual trust when I speak with investors on our very first conversation, you know, like, hey, this is a this is mutual trust. Like. A lot of times you people, investors on that first call, they'll think that they're interviewing you. And I let, I let investors know, like, this is mutual. Like we're both looking at each other right now to see if this is the right fit. I'm, and it kind of, I don't mean to put them at ill ease or anything, but I want them to know, like, I'm looking at them also to understand, like, are you a fit for our culture? And that means that you have to understand what your culture is and what it is that you're actually building. Are you just building to like, I just want to do deals or are you actually building something and you have your vision clearly, you know, articulated either in your, it should be written down somewhere. Um, mm, and so yeah. when we look at um, the, how I'm going about, I told you, uh, you know, off air, I am in the middle of a raise right now and it's just, it's been the most, it's been easy. It's been authentic. It's been my favorite raise I've ever done. And I bucked the system and I was in a capital raising mastermind. There are a few of them out there and they're all really great. So this is not to disparage any of those things, but oftentimes we are told and conditioned, like 
you know, in order to scale, you need to um, be able to have a webinar and in three days you should be, you know, fully funded and blah, blah, blah. And, and that was the rhetoric. That was what I bought into. And I'm like, okay, hey, that's what I need to, that's what I need to build. But honestly, it's not who I am. I am a very relational driven person. And that's why my investors, I think, are attracted into my ecosystem. And so it's like throwing them an email. They don't even see the email. They don't even open the, I mean, I get good open rates, but are those really the real accurate ones? We were talking about that. But at the same time, is it eliciting the response I want? So this raise, I threw out the email. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I am going to call and text. I'm going to use the preferred mode of communication. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get permission first. Hey, I have this deal on the table. Um, I think, you know, I'm not sure where you're at right now, but I want to reach out, wanted to let you know. I kind of, you know, depending on the last conversation I had with the investor, I sure. kind of crafted that message, that voicemail, whatever it was. It's been a phenomenal response because they're seen. And in this day and age of, so much noise being thrown at us and it's in the pretense of being personalized but it's not it's just filled in with somebody's name but actually truly reaching out to people um even the ones that didn't and you know want to invest well if they wanted to invest they would say like oh, i just deployed some capital i wish i could get into this you know they might be saying that i mean whatever but they expressed genuine sincere gratitude that i reached out so it didn't burn a bridge it built the bridge further yeah, built trust and it built that personal connection. I think that's the difference. You know, an email is an email. I can I can send an email to thousands of people. I just need to craft one email. It's not personal. Even if we put the person's name on it, that's just an automatic thing. And everybody knows that. We just got this email that got sent to the other two, three, four thousand, whatever many people are on their list. Like that's it. But if you get a text message or a phone call that means it's personal. And even a text message, text message is obviously a simpler one to send because it sends a lot, it's a lot less time. But even that though is still personal. You took the time, even if you just copied and pasted, you still took the time to send it directly to that person. And I think that adds a huge element of authenticity, connection, you know, just, just making them feel like, they can't, you care. Like you're not just, they're not just a number. Yeah. And then, you know, when we think about the culture, if, if we want to get, so for myself, full transparency, you know, I would like to get for those great, we're dropping a half million million into every deal that you're offering, maybe mm. more than that. Right. That's, that's like the horizon, you know, 500 yep. to two and a half million, just drop it in. Right. Like that'd be, yep. that's, that's the horizon I'd like to aspire to. Um, we can timestamp this right now, put it in a little capsule. And <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to do that by, by the way? A year from now. Let's do it a year from now. Okay. okay. Perfect. So, so, but all that to say, like, now I distracted my own mind with my excitement for, you know, <laughs> but, you know, if we want to attract this type of people, we have to know what we're building, what the culture is yeah. and, um, and allowing our, our investors to understand that. I have full confidence that my investor base right now would have a great time. And this is always on my mind. I'm like, I want to connect my investors because they'll be friends. I can already mm. tell. And I can already tell that we could go down to the Caribbean. And I'm pretty sure most of my investors would enjoy a trip to the Caribbean. And we could all sit with whatever beverage, you know, whatever's under that umbrella in the, in the glass. Everybody mm. would be happy and having a really great time. 
So it's like having even a bigger vision for your investing and the people that you are blessed to have, you know, enter into your ecosystem. Yeah. We do an investor dinner um, every year, just kind of a celebration. And it's so much fun bringing all these investors together, the like minds all together. They've invested in the same deals and they, it's now we've done it a couple of years, three years in a row, I think. And, you know, people really appreciate coming to the dinner and meeting people they've met before and having these conversations and friendships have actually, uh, you know, been created uh, from that. So it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, the, like bringing them down to the Caribbean is a whole nother experience. We haven't done that yet, but (laughs) that sounds sounds amazing. (laughs) That sounds amazing. That's cool. Uh, Julie, where, you know, the market's, weird and you know it's just on a meeting earlier today and you know warren buffett that one somebody said that during his um you know whatever meeting that they had the other day uh they said commercial real estate's you know going through crazy times it's going to be a a bad place to be essentially and so it scares a lot of people right people are nervous commercial real estate's going to be the worst place multifamilies commercial real estate right um, what's your philosophy on what's going on in the market and, and maybe not like dig into philosophy so much, but, but what are you guys doing and how are you reacting, I guess, to it? Did you see that? Like, ugh, yeah, whole philosophy. Yeah. When you look at the transfer of wealth that took place after the 08, the great mm-hmm. recession, and when I look at the investors that I can look back on, we weren't investing in this capacity, but now I can even look back on the residential investors that we, my husband and I were aware of and such. It's like, holy smokes, they bought right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so our, our philosophy, like my philosophy, my husband's philosophy, like my partners that I'm partnered with, like buy right in every market. Like, it doesn't matter what is going on with, with the interest rates, the economic cycle and things like that. What's your minimum? What's your investment criteria? Well, if my minimum investment criteria is I'm going to bring you a 15% IRR projection, let's just throw that out there. That's always going to be our minimum. We're not going to send you investors, anything less than that. Then why would that change just because something is shifting in the market? So our, our investment philosophy is the equalizer. It is the stabilizing factor in that. And while other things might go up and down and turbulent, it's the people that are like, here's my investment philosophy. This is what I'm sticking to. If it fits my buy box because it fits its parameters and I can stress test the heck out of it. And I'm confident that my capital stack is strong and that my numbers are truly reflecting risk mitigation, which means I'm not, you know, planning in that refinance to make it all soft and fluffy. And I'm Mm. like looking at, you know, vacancy rates in a very conservative way. What is the worst case scenario using that 10% versus the two, 3% comfortable zone, right? Right. Like really, really having that as your baseline. Now everything else can go up and down and that's okay. You're going to be buying right. And now you're going to be buying right in every single market. You're going to come out way ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so important. Don't change your investing philosophy because of the, well, d- don't change your criteria, right? Because of the market necessarily. I mean, it, 
might play a factor into certainly if the economy is getting worse, you might not show quite as much uh, rent increase or something like that. But I think what has gotten a lot of people into potential trouble, we're not seeing a lot of trouble yet, but potential trouble is that rents were going up so fast for so long that they just assumed that, hey, our rents here are going to increase by six, seven, eight percent. You know, I've I've seen plenty of performers showing that. Um, and interest rates are going to stay where they're at forever. So that makes that? me cringe so much. And when that I would crazy? see that, it made me cringe, yeah. right? Because it's like, I, I said, and, and some of my investors have come back to me and said, like, I wanted to invest with you because you, I've heard you say rents go up and rents go down. They are not one direction. And so like mm -hmm. really, truly, truly being wide eyed about that. The thing about how many people should have bought into in 2020 and they yeah. didn't because they're like yeah we don't know yeah and then you, we we both know people that were you know like it was a good year it was a great year yeah, definitely <laughs> definitely i uh, love that all right uh julia i i got a couple last questions before we wrap up what's your favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners i always say whatever book i'm currently reading although I'm not going to recommend that one. <laughs> it's not my favorite book. And I usually have something around me. Um, I would say anything I read a lot. So, so listeners just know that I am always reading. I go between personal development and professional development. It's always back and forth. Um, and I might have an audiobook going at the same time as a book book that I'm reading in the morning after I read hmm. my Bible. So, <laughs> so that's a loaded question for me. Um, okay. Well, what's one that you like? over the last couple months that you've read that you really like? That's a good, thank you for working with me on that question. <laughs> um, I would say I, I recently read The E-Myth. I actually listened oh, yeah. to the audiobook and I felt like if I would have read The E-Myth revisited uh, like five years ago, it would have helped me out so much. And I think that's really relevant. I did not read the, there are lots of E-Myths out there. I did not read the real estate version, I read E-Myth Revisited. It's a fable. The audiobook is great. But what I think is really important for real estate investors, um, you know, like who are going in on the active side is that a lot of times we don't realize we're building an actual business, an actual company. So like these years later, I'm like, oh yeah. So I just thought I was going to go out and work investor relations and raise capital. And that's what I was going to do. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, I built out a company. I didn't even know that, right? Like it wasn't on my radar that I was building something so much larger. And so I'm having to, you know, like massage, you know, like go back and refine the business now. Mm. And so I would say if you're at the starting blocks or if you're in those early years and you're having that awakening of like, oh, wait, I'm building a company. Like, oh, I built a company. What are best practices? Then listen to the E-Myth Revisited. And on the I personal development side, listen to Brendan Burchard's High Performance Habits. Oh, I've not read that one. Okay. I'll have to put that on my list. I recommend E-Myth to a lot of people, especially if they're just getting started in their business. My daughter wants to own a business. She's 13 years old. She is reading the E-Myth right now. So that's just a requirement. I told her I pay her $100 for every book she reads, and then she has to take that $100 and she has to invest it. I might adopt that philosophy. It's it's great. You know, it, it, it motivates her to read a book and she learns something and then she learns how to invest the money. That's a win for everybody, right? Absolutely. What's a mistake that you've made and how can you pass your, your lesson to our uh, listeners? 
at the risk of sounding hokey, not believing in myself. Mm. So, so yeah, Go a ahead. lot of high performers will do this yeah. where we walk in such pseudo humility that we actually don't see ourselves for who we are created and designed to be. And so we sell ourselves short all the time and we don't mm. believe in our full capacity. So this last year has really been a awakening of like really receiving myself and believing like what I'm truly capable of and it changes everything. Yeah. Love that. Love that so much. So easy to, to do as well. I, like you said, we, um, it, it's easy to not to, truly believe in yourself or like just lose faith. Um, you know, there's so many things that happen on a daily basis. I think that's for everybody, entrepreneurs, but everybody too. So, uh, but it's so valuable. Um, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? I love this. I love that you like warned me about this and I'm like, I've got softball. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the conscious investor, uh, we actually had a, a in-person growth day in March of this, of uh, the year of this recording. And um, there are three pillars that I believe in. We have to start with our health because there's no sense in building anything. If you don't have the health to mm. enjoy it, appreciate it, or sustain it. We have to, you know, be investing in our mindset because going back to believing in ourselves, if we are, if our thinking is cloudy in any regard, if we don't have a clear mind. Um, and to me, that is very strongly based in faith as well as, you know, just and mindset practices. Um, yeah. And then the third one then goes into the financial wealth building. Great. We've got those two, two pillars taken care of. Boom. Let's go get the money. Let's go build the money. Let's build the wealth. And then, I mean, wealth looks every way, shape and form, but you're not going to have wealth if you're not capable physically in some capacity and mentally. I like that you ordered them, right? Because you're so right. We can have the financial, but if you don't have the the two, the financial is probably just going to go away or not mean anything, right? You're going to end up empty, void, like yeah. your heart will still be hurting. And so yeah. the wealth has to start. And so taking care of our bodies, you know, it's easy and admittedly, um, I can sometimes procrastinate and be like, oh, I'll, I'll go do that later. Um, I'll briefly state like, I love, I'm a very avid mountain biker. I love getting dirty out there and I love adrenaline and I like near death experiences. <laughs> we feel so alive and I just love it. Um, but last season I did not bike as much as I had in the previous three seasons. Right. And I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, um, I can't sustain not having that type of adrenaline and fun in my life. That's important to me. And so I need to reincorporate that. So it's been a better season already. Awesome. Julie, really appreciate it. Uh, listeners can check uh, out the conscious investor. Where, where can they, where else can they reach out to you? Yeah. Uh, let's you can connect up on LinkedIn or send me an email, Julie at julieholly.com. Um, I am not scary and Todd and I are not just voices that you're hearing or faces that you're seeing over, you know, on YouTube or in the podcast, like make sure you reach out to us. We're both podcasters, yeah. you know, we're here to serve you and connecting, you know, with listeners. I don't know about you, but it's my favorite thing in the world. Knowing that we get to have, um, we get to support people is just makes my day. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because I would listen to podcasts and you know, you hesitate to reach out to the, the host, you hesitate to reach out to the guest, but that's most people that are on a podcast, they go on there and they give you the information because they're happy to connect with you. So, you know, connect with Julie, learn about what she's got going on. You have a conversation with her because that's why she came on the podcast because she wants to make more connections. So, Julie, uh, again, really appreciate you joining us and it's been a lot of fun and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. Love it. Thanks so much, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.